Hello friends, we are so grateful that you are making time to join together with us in worship. We are celebrating so many wonderful things about our Easter celebration last weekend, and we wanna share some of those with you. Uh, you know, we don't take it for granted that each weekend we're able to, get, able to gather together with thousands across our, our TV platform and virtually online and on demand. But we're celebrating this past Easter also being able to gather in physical space for worship at our Bettendorf and Rock Island campuses with about 1,500 of you. We were able to do all of this observing awesome COVID safety uh, protocols and to do it in a way that really honors uh, the safety that we've invited everyone in our community to live into. But it was so great to be together with so many of you um, to elbow bump or fist bump and to say, Happy Easter. He is risen. He is risen indeed. You know, another thing that we're celebrating is that 29 of you made a decision to step from death to life to take a next step in your relationship with Jesus. And we don't take that for granted. That is something awesome to celebrate. And if that was you, we say, yay, way to go and keep pressing into Jesus. And if you're still thinking about what your next step with Jesus might be, we would love to walk that journey with you. So we invite you to connect with us uh, by using our Pray With a Pastor line or by sending us a virtual connect card. And we would just love to continue that conversation. You know, one of the most special things about Easter is just the reminder that we have on that day that we serve a risen Savior. And it's not just about what happens on that day. It's for the day after and the day after that and the day that you find yourself in, in this moment. Our conversation and our sermon series over the next few weeks is gonna be looking at, at the encounters that Jesus had post-resurrection, before he ascended back into heaven. He had some really powerful interactions with people that really invite us to examine our own lives and, and what does it mean for us to be in relationship with a risen Savior. And so we invite you to just lean in with us over the next few weeks as we continue to serve the one who is exalted, who is most high, who is so powerful that he conquered, he conquered uh, death and he rose again. And so we just say, praise him. Let's worship together. Please. 
moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keep light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Milagroso, hablas camino, cumplas promesas, Byzantine hablas, mi Dios, así eres tú. You are here, touching every heart. I worship you, oh, I worship you. You are here, turning lives around. I worship you. Stop working, you never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. Stop, you never stop working Even when I don't see it, you working Even when I don't feel it, you working You never stop, you never stop
As we've been gathering together, we've been invited into moments where we're asked to be fully present in mind, body, spirit, and community. And to that end, we've invited you into different practices that allow us to participate fully in each of those ways, mind, body, spirit, and community. Today, we're gonna to participate in a practice that we have been part of for thousands of years of, as the church, reciting the Our Father, or the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. But today we're gonna to invite you to do that just a little bit differently as we practice with our bodies, as we, as we step into being fully present together. And so whatever posture you normally take for a moment of prayer, I invite you to do that now. But I also invite you to make sure that your arms are extended in an attitude of prayer. For some of us, this is a little different. We're used to perhaps folding our hands or bowing our heads. When we open our bodies up in this way, when we look up to the heavens from the place our help comes from and pray to our Father in heaven, it can open us up to hear and receive perhaps differently than we normally would. So I'm gonna lead us in this moment of prayer and ask you to be fully present in mind, body, and spirit as we declare it in community together. So in that posture, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. And now we invite you not to just end in this moment of prayer, but to walk out the very words that we've prayed together this week, to actually offer spaces of the Jesus kingdom to those around you, to find a time and place where you can be Jesus with skin on to somebody around you, offering a word of encouragement, a prayer of hope, or even meeting a physical or financial need for somebody. As you live this out, I encourage you to experience God fresh and new every day in mind, body, spirit, and community together. Hey friends, we're coming out of our Easter weekend, which was a wonderful time of worship and prayer, of remembrance and celebration. And I'm still celebrating all that God did, and specifically the dozens of lives forever changed as they received Jesus. 
And if you're one of those individuals, I want to thank you for letting us know. If you're somebody who made that decision but haven't let us know, go ahead and shoot us a message. It's our privilege to walk with you in your spiritual journey. And I'll tell you, it never gets old to see people step into new life with Jesus. It's pretty radical stuff. In fact, that first Easter weekend was a crazy weekend all on its own, especially for those that were right there in that space. I mean, on Friday, Jesus died and the earth shook, the rocks split, tombs broke open, the temple veil was torn, and dead people rose from the grave and were walking around. It was crazy stuff. But then on Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead and started interacting with people himself. It was surprising and disappointing and all of the confusing, alarming, and amazing stuff that was happening. Yet in each encounter that Jesus had, each encounter was met with surprise or, or doubt or wonder. Yet in every one of them, that changed the perspectives and the trajectories of those who saw him, even if they held surprise, doubt, or wonder. Yet when it comes to things like surprise and disappointment, some say it's always better to be surprised than disappointed. So they think it's best not to have expectations. Yet, although it may feel better, it's not inherently better. Because surprise and disappointment are rooted in expectations more than outcomes. It's less about what happens and more about what we thought would happen. It's perspective versus reality. A number of years ago, we had a house in Pennsylvania in a quiet community with a woods behind the backyard. And that meant on occasion we would see and hear mice. Well, one night I was asleep and Beth woke me up to tell me that she heard a, mice, a mouse in the attic. Now, I tried to ignore her <laughs> and the mouse. But it was keeping her awake, therefore it was keeping me awake, and now I heard it too. So since she wouldn't ignore it with me, I got up and I hit the ceiling with my, with my fist and it went quiet. Problem solved. Now I realize, look, it was the middle of the night and I wasn't sure what else I was gonna be able to do. That was not able to do much more at that moment. But that same dynamic happened for a few nights. I would get up, hit the ceiling, and then it would go quiet. So I eventually put some poison up into the attic to try to resolve it, but the noise continued. We'd hear the noise, I'd hit the ceiling, it'd go quiet. Hear the noise, hit the ceiling, and go quiet. Until one night, I was half awake, I hit the ceiling, and the ceiling was soft. I was like, oh no, those stinkers have chewed down through the top of the ceiling. This is not good. So I knew the next day was gonna be a final showdown. I got gloves, I got a light, I got some tools. It was time to extract and remove those critters. So I got up into the attic, I worked my way across the rafters, moved towards the corner of the attic itself, and I pulled back the insulation. But I'll tell you this, there were no mice. Just dozens of tiny little yellow faces with beady black eyes staring back at me and my flashlight. Yes, that is right, yellow jackets. Now, my expectations were way off and my plan was not going to work. I had the wrong tools for the job. But one thing was for sure and certain, I've never moved faster across the rafters of an attic and then back down the hole. See, in that whole dynamic, my understanding created an expectation. And, and when my expectations met with reality, well, I was both surprised and disappointed, startled and concerned, and also faster and more nimble than anyone expected in that moment. You know, 
When it comes to things like surprise and disappointment, they actually have the same foundation. It's expectation. Expectation fuels both surprise and disappointment. It's the basis of both. Whether they're low or high or just misplaced, surprise and disappointment always have the same foundation, the same source. They're both rooted in our speculation or rooted in our expectation. One reflects a lack, the other reflects a limit. Disappointment comes when things go unmet. Surprise comes when we experience things that were unanticipated. And having the wrong expectation can lead to great disappointment. But you and I, we, we were created to live in expectancy, especially with God, in right and good and grand things of life. But sin messed all that up. And yet Jesus restores the possibility of what should have been all along. In fact, when, when we walk with Jesus, we can always expect the unexpected. He exceeds our expectations. He surpasses them in every way. Just consider, after Jesus rose from the dead, he showed up in those post-resurrection appearances, quite a few of them, over a 40-day period. Some were one-on-one, and one of them was even to a group of 500 at one time. Now, the question is, why did he do that? Why did he he do them? It wasn't to shock people. It wasn't a gag like, hey, surprise, I'm alive. No, it it was to wrap up, to teach, to finalize some things about his kingdom for his disciples, but also because... Some things don't make sense without seeing it from the other side. We can't hear or understand them properly without seeing them from the other end. Like the version of being downstairs or in the attic, two different things. We can think one thing from below, but it's another thing from above. So we're going to dig into one post-resurrection appearance today that, that happened on Resurrection Sunday, that first Easter. It's the fourth of five appearances Jesus made that day. The first one was to Mary Magdalene. The second one was to the three ladies who went to the tomb and heard from the angel, and then they were going to tell the disciples when they encountered Jesus. And I think it's totally cool that Jesus chose women to be the first ones to know and to tell about his resurrection. That was intentional. Next, we know that Peter got to see Jesus, and this was He was the first of the apostles to see him, and it was in a private moment that the Gospels don't really describe. Luke simply tells us that the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon, he said in Luke 24, verse 34. But then finally, the fifth one would be that he appeared to the 12 disciples, which is actually now 11, but in this moment was 10 because Thomas wasn't there. But before that fifth moment was the fourth, with two disciples on the road to Emmaus, one named and one unnamed. It's found, again, in Luke chapter 24. Now, you can turn there there if you like. We're going to be starting with verse 13. Here's here's what it says. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened, which makes sense because a lot of stuff had happened just in a, a couple of days. Verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And what's interesting to me is Jesus must have come from behind and they must have made the assumption he was coming from Jerusalem as well. 
But Jesus says this, what things? Now, as was the case with the women at the tomb, these two disciples did not expect to see Jesus. They didn't expect him to rise from the dead. In fact, it would seem that they were leaving Jerusalem because they'd lost hope in him. I mean, they were, they were downcast. They, they were dejected in this moment, but we're going to see in a moment they still had passion. Now, perhaps they had come with Jesus and his disciples into Jerusalem. Maybe they went just to see and to catch up to what was going on. I kind of feel like they were part of that group based on what happens the next day because they will end up getting up, going back to Jerusalem. They will find the disciples and they will have an audience with them. I'm not really sure which dynamic led them into Jerusalem, but what I am sure and what is very clear is that surprise and disappointment have the same foundation. And Jesus may not be predictable, but he is always intentional. He is intentional and he is reliable. Every post-resurrection appearance was for specific reasons. This, this interaction turns into a great conversation, cool moments and reflections on the journey and Jesus interacting with them. It was a gift to these two guys. And as suddenly as he appears, he ends up disappearing. But again, the very next morning, they head back to Jerusalem. Check this out. This is verse 33. And within the hour that morning, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, the Lord has already risen or has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. So listen, Jesus is back. He's back and these two guys get to see Jesus twice in two days. Totally cool, totally awesome. But look, here's, here's the reality and the truth about resurrection, Jesus' resurrection. If it didn't happen, we don't need to care about the rest of what Jesus did. It doesn't matter. He rose and everything he said and did matters or none of it does. None of it matters. The resurrection of Jesus anchors everything. In fact, it was author and theologian Tim Keller, Keller who said this. He said, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. This, this right here is why the post-resurrection appearances are so important. He rose, so everything he said and did matters. Yet, I'll tell you this, there was also a false narrative taking place. The religious rulers, the Romans, had put a spin on the disappearance of Jesus' body and said that the disciples had taken him, that it was all a big ploy. But yet, beyond the conspiracy theory was a simple confusion. There was an uncertainty, a, a lack of understanding. People just had questions, and, and that's totally normal. Any unexpected outcome creates space for that dynamic, questions. So to help with that, to help with all of that, Jesus reveals himself to a limited number of people. And although no one saw the actual resurrection of Jesus, the soldiers guarding the tomb would be the closest, but not even they saw it. Many saw Jesus afterward, and each time it created a resolve. It removed any doubt that he had 
not risen from the dead, <laughs> and set the next season in motion. Jesus may not be predictable, but he is always intentional. So, what does this mean for us today? Well, in this series, we're going to end up looking at three different post-resurrection appearances with the understanding that we can still encounter him and access his resurrection power even today. We'll also have the opportunity to consider how we respond or will we respond to him ourselves. Because Jesus was never random. Everything he did was intentional. So rather than asking, why is he doing what he's doing? We can actually ask, what are we to do alongside him? Listen, I get that it's easy to get frustrated and disappointed, even shake our fist at God asking why. But complaining and turning away from him doesn't resolve or fix disappointment. Instead, our despair in those dynamics often just deepens. And in a way, the two disciples walking along the road that day were in that space. They had hope for a conquering king. They didn't expect Jesus to die. They expected him to establish his reign as king and to free them from Roman rule. But he died on Friday, and, and now it was Sunday. But even then, they needed to remember that Jesus may not be predictable, yet he is always intentional. He's always reliable. And our Lord is at work in every circumstance, even the painful ones. He wants more for us than we could ever want for ourselves. So in any dynamic, we have the opportunity to stop asking why and start asking what next. Neither question actually changes our circumstances, but the second one, and the second one changes us. It changes our attitude. It shifts our perspective from things of earth to things of heaven, and it positions us to be expectant of him, which really enables him to use any dynamic that you and I sit in. See, the heart of God, the heart that he has for you and for me, is revealed in something he said back in the Old Testament to his people. It's in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. And he simply said, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. My friends, the, the plans God has for you are greater than any plans you could ever have for yourself. So every time or any time you've said, Man, I thought this would be the case. I, I had dreamed that this would be the reality. I had hoped. Anytime you've said those dynamic or said those words in a dynamic, big or small, whether it's been from bees in your attic to hopes in your heart, in every love and in every loss, God loves you and He has a purpose and a plan for you. And because Jesus rose, you can choose to say in any dynamic, even still, regardless, nonetheless, no matter how devastating our disappointments pain or troubles, no matter the depth of loss, no matter how tragic or sad life is, no, no matter what happens, the resurrection creates space for hopeful expectancy and immeasurable good, if we let it, if we let him. See, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul actually lays out a, a roster, if you would, of witnesses to the reality of the resurrection. He, he first identifies Peter, Number one, which is a fascinating thing that Peter got to experience that first. Then he identifies the 12. But then there's that more than 500 of his followers at one time. He also identifies James, the brother of Jesus, whom I'll just tell you I still hold as the ultimate proof of the resurrection. Because I, 
like James, am a little brother. And the fact that James was so convinced that his brother was risen and was Messiah and Lord, man, I'm like, say no more. And if you have a sibling or if you're the little sibling in the dynamic, you get exactly what I'm saying. James knew and validated the resurrection. Later, Jesus shows up to all the apostles. But then in, in verse 8 of 1 Corinthians 15, Paul describes himself as though, quote, he had been born at the wrong time, but that he also saw Jesus. And the totality of the testimonies of all these witnesses is substantial. Not only did they see Jesus, but they saw him in a way that revived their faith and trust in him. It changed their character and willingness to live for him and die for him. But I wonder what it does for you. See, the world is a place of, of great sadness and pain and disappointment. Yet we rise in the name and power of Jesus, regardless if he does or doesn't do what we expect. He still shows up in everyday life. He still empowers us with his resurrection power. Yet I wonder where you've wavered, maybe lost hope in him because he didn't do what you expected or wanted. Or perhaps better yet, maybe the question is, where are your expectations limiting God's purpose? Where are your expectations that you hold today limiting God's purpose in your life or others? Are you living based on what you'd hoped or based on what he did? I'll tell you this, low expectations of a risen king insult him and they limit us. And we end up living lesser lives, creating lesser outcomes and find ourselves really in a space to pray, God, forgive us when our expectations of you are too low. Man, if that's you, I wanna encourage you to lean into that space, to really know where your expectations are limiting his purpose. Some people really do believe that the secret to happiness is low expectations, but I'm gonna tell you that's not true. The secret to happiness is a joy that comes from putting hope in the right place in him who is risen, it's, it's in Jesus. But still, knowing where our expectations are limiting him are really important so that we know how to live into the realities of the life he calls us to. So I actually wanna give a moment, give you a moment just to talk to him about it, to really assess where your expectations don't align with his. Maybe where your expectations have defined more than they should. So here's what I wanna do. I just wanna start us in a space of prayer and then I'm gonna transition and allow you to continue in prayer before we continue back into a space of worship as a church family. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, my Lord and God and King Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you that you demonstrated love and power and rose from the dead and you give us an opportunity to experience life and, and we can live expectantly in you. I pray over the next few moments as, as my friends talk with you, that you would show them the spaces and places where their expectations are drifting, misaligned, or actually even potentially impeding what you wanna do. Shooting high, shooting low, whatever it is, God, I pray that you would speak so that we would all know where you're inviting us in our daily lives, in our personal relationship with you, in all of our relationships with everyone else. May you speak in these next few moments as my friends interact with you. Thank you for your love. And I'm excited to see what you do as we all wait and listen in this moment now. 
I'm so grateful that the promises and the purposes of God for each of us are far beyond anything we could ask or imagine, anything we could even come up with on our own. I love Pastor Sean's question for us. It's one that I'm reflecting on even now about where my expectations might be limiting God's purpose. What's that space for you? I hope that you've had time to process that and consider it even as we've continued in worship in these moments. And that it's a question that the Holy Spirit will bring to mind throughout the next week or so as you process what you've heard and interacted with. You know, when it comes to connecting with God and others and the purpose that He has for us, nothing beats doing that in spaces of community. Walking a journey of life with other people. And we've got some great spaces and places, opportunities coming up for you to connect in meaningful relationship with other people, either virtually or in person. So I encourage you to check out heritageqc.com groups, where you'll find great opportunities like the conversation Pastor Josh and I are leading in about connecting deeply with the heart of God in really practical ways. Or the conversation called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, where we look at how we navigate the disappointments of life and what it means to have a meaningful and vibrant relationship with God, even when things aren't going the way that we thought they would or should. There are conversations for young adults. There are conversations that help us live into greater health and vitality in marriages. There are small groups meeting around women's studies or or uh, around how to step into emotionally healthy spaces. You can find a group for just about anything. Meeting in homes, coffee shops, virtually uh, at our locations. So we really encourage you, take the next step of connecting in community. Don't let today be the only connection you have with the Heritage family, but take a step a little bit further in and see what God does as you interact with people on a similar journey. I know in my own life, the spaces where Jesus has been made most real to me, where he's transformed me most deeply, well, they've been in those circles of relationship. So I encourage you to find a connection today at heritageqc.com or by using the Church Center app. You know, while you're there, you'll see that we have an opportunity for you to take your next step of obedience with Jesus. The first thing that Jesus invites us into when we're followers of his is to step into the waters of baptism, a public declaration that we are new in Christ Jesus, that we're free to live with him. Our next opportunity for you to step into those waters of baptism is coming up in May, and you can register for that opportunity right now. When you do that, a friend of ours will follow up with you. They'll reach out and ask you some questions about what your journey with Jesus has been and what it looks like for you to step in to that first step of obedience. So if you're a follower of his and you've never stepped in the waters of baptism, this is a great chance to do that. We'll be hosting baptism opportunities at both our Rock Island and Bettendorf campuses where there's a whole crew of people who will celebrate the work that God has been doing in you and cheer you on your next steps. You're not going to want to miss that opportunity. So again, you can check it out at heritageqc.com and the Church Center app. Just recently, we shared about some great opportunities to connect with the broader Heritage family this summer. Opportunities like 
picnics and scoops, connections in all kinds of fun ways, even some support group conversations that are coming up as one-off interactions in parks and other locations. If you didn't get that communication, it might be because you're not signed up to receive our e-news updates. I encourage you to head over to heritageqc.com or fill out the connect card on the Heritage Center on the Church Center app and that'll get you signed up so you receive all of those invitations, opportunities and more. Finally, we know that God is doing great and wonderful things and he's inviting us to be part of all of that and more than we can imagine. When you give to Heritage, you're part of that bigger story that God is writing in these cities and beyond. So thank you, thank you for your faithful partnership with us, your hopeful partnership as we live into these days. If you're interested in connecting with us by way of giving, go to heritageqc.com give and know that every gift that we receive, we steward intentionally toward the purposes of God for these, this region and beyond. If you have any questions about anything that you heard today, be sure to drop us a line. You can call our Pray with the Pastor line or send us an email. Use the Connect card in the Church Center app or find other ways to connect with us online. We believe our best days are ahead together, and we can't wait to see you soon. There are days I have seen Let go of those chains.